Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the UBS Market Moves podcast channel for a conversation on the state of the muni market. So given that we're roughly at the halfway point of 2022, we will focus on a year-to-day performance check, a talk about what the months ahead might have in store for muni investors, and provide some guidance when it comes to allocation within the asset class, among some other topics as well. Let me take a moment here to introduce to you who is joining us on the podcast today. We are glad to welcome back from our partners at GWNK Investment Management, Mike Rebuffo, Principal and Municipal Bond Client Portfolio Manager. Joining us from the UBS Chief Investment Office, glad to welcome back Senior Municipal Strategist America's Kathleen McNamara. Kathleen will actually be leading today's conversation with Mike. So Kathleen, Mike, welcome to you both. Thank you for spending some time with our listeners. Kathleen, I'll pass it over to you to lead today's conversation. Thanks so much for having us, Dan. And um, good afternoon, Mike. Since we last spoke on air back in January, I'd say a lot has happened. Um, You know, the Federal Reserve has pivoted to an aggressive monetary tightening cycle. We saw inflation surge to hit 40-year highs. And U.S. economic growth has now contracted for two consecutive quarters. So with that... um, with that as an introduction, we certainly have a great deal to talk about. So let's get started, Mike. Um, let's talk about performance, okay? Um, you know, coming off what was the worst first half year for muni performance seen on record, the tax-exempt municipal bond market has reversed course in this early stage of the second half of 2022. In fact, I was just looking at returns, and um, it appears that muni's posted gains of over 2.5% in July that marks the highest monthly return that we've seen in munis in over two years. So, Mike, what are your reflections on this shift to much better performance from tax-exempt municipal bonds? Sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And, yeah, it's been a crazy year. Um, July actually posted the, the second highest monthly return since 2009. Um, it was only behind May 2020 when we had the COVID snapback. And, uh, obviously, part of this was macroeconomic in nature with the 10-year Treasury yield declining about 37 basis points in the month. But the 10-year AAA muni yield declined 51 basis points, you know, a little bit more. Um, and this was really due to kind of the summer technicals, which tend to play out in our market in July and August. You know, there's a lot of July 1st and July 15th coupon interest hitting. Combine that with bonds being called and mature, maturing. And so there's just this natural influx of cash that generally rolls over for reinvestment. And on the supply side, you know, new issuance was only about $26 billion last month, which was down 32% from last year, and certainly below the 10-year average for July of about $32 billion. So, you know, that, that supply was, was certainly beneficial and supportive of the market, but it was even more drastic. If you think about the 4th of July week, where there's been virtually very little supply, and also, the last week of the month was the Fed meeting, which not many people were doing much. So, you know, less supply, more cash looking for a home really helped support the market. And, um, you know, July was such a good month. It basically flaked out the negative returns from the entire second quarter. And we're, we're basically back to where we were March 31st, both in terms of, you know, year-to-date performance and also just where yields are. So um, we still have some of these technical factors supporting the market in the short term. August has approximately $40 billion in redemptions, with only about $33 billion in average issuance. So, you know, of course, the macroeconomic uh, environment could still have a lot of, you know, still has a lot of unknowns, but the municipal technicals uh, should be pretty favorable heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, sure. Th- thanks for that, Mike. Um, it has been an incredible rally. 
you know, but well, how are you effectively managing uni assets, you know, in this high inflation and, you know, uncertain economic environment? Yeah, our strategy has always been, you know, that of flexibility and, and trying to take advantage of, of higher rates and, and locking in more income for our clients. We don't get so concerned with, you know, the perfect timing of trades or, or really when, when rates rise, we know we want to extend duration and take advantage of those higher yields. And we generally sell some of our shorter paper, you know, the shorter bonds in a rising rate environment, they generally outperform. And that gives you some flexibility to go out longer and buy longer maturities that have now gotten beaten up. They offer better yields. And, and of course, those yields locking, locking them in for a longer time period is really beneficial. And I think any investment strategy really should entail selling something rich. In this case, you know, we've been selling some of our four- and five-year maturities that have down, you know, a couple percent and buying something that's relatively cheap, you know, longer maturities in the 10- to 15-year range, stuff that's gotten beaten up, you know, double digits in some cases. Uh, we did this in May when the uh, 10-year muni yield peaked at about 3.02%. And obviously, <laughs> it was really advantageous considering the rally that we've seen. And, um, you know, back then, uh, there was a lot of selling pressure. There's mutual funds were hitting, you know, getting outflows. Muni to treasury ratios were close to 100%. So um, anytime you have those types of dynamics, I think we're going we're gonna to look to be opportunistic and extend duration. Uh, obviously, with the rally since, uh, you could argue we should have done more, but, uh, you know, hindsight is always that way. And I, I think the key is really to, to buy when others are selling and have that flexibility built into your portfolios. Uh, we still have about 25% of our client portfolios in shorter maturities. And should we get more rate volatility or, or another wave of, of selling pressure uh, and cheaper municipal bonds, we, we certainly have that dry powder in our portfolios. I think the concern now should be that the rally keeps on going on and, and the economic recession uh, may be good for, for clients' market values, but it really comes on the, the, you know, the cost and the expense of lower yields going forward. So let's hope rates don't decline too much and um, you know, our clients and, and, quite frankly, your clients are better off earning you know, more yield, more income, and, and earning it for that much longer, uh, and obviously higher yields should be an opportunity. Right, right, and I, and I, you know, we certainly saw a lot of investors come off the sidelines, you know, that were sitting in cash, and they all of a sudden saw these high yields in the muni space, and they're, you know, starting to uh, position. I think we saw quite a bit of that in July, also, you know, driving that rally. Um, so just to go back to, you know, ratios, um, I mean, I was looking at the municipal to treasury yield ratios this morning, and it's quite incredible that, that the front part of the curve, the two-year spot in particular. That ratio is down at only 55%, you know, so meaning that munis have gotten pretty expensive at that part of the curve. By contrast, if I look at the 30-year spot, you know, way out on the curve, the ratio is, is up at 98%, you know, showing that munis are still real cheap out there. So with that, um, where are you now seeing the best values along the muni curve? I know, I know not particularly on the short end. <laughs> right. I mean, we, we pushed out our duration to slightly longer than the benchmark, and we still have more room to go if needed. Um, I think the 10-year part of the curve still offers some value, trading about 83% of treasuries, which is close to very, you know, fair value. You mentioned the long end, you know, the super long end, you know, 30-year maturities trading 100% of treasuries. I'm not sure if you need to be that aggressive, um, you know, unless you want to make that kind of recession call or, or you know, a call that rates are going to decline further from here. Um, you know, but again, you know, some clients might just be happy getting 3% on the long end and happy to own it and, you know, aren't so worried about future volatility. Um, 
I think I think for us, we see value more in that 10-year part of the curve. And, uh, and as you mentioned, we've been looking to sell some of our shorter paper. I mean, a two-year muni, two-year AAA muni yield is only about 1.6% versus a two-year treasury. And my screen's hitting 3% today. So, um, you know, that ratio, as you said, is about 55%. It doesn't really matter what tax bracket you're in at that, at that short end. And I think short munis have been relatively rich, um, and some investors may find value uh, you know, transitioning over into short treasuries or short taxable paper, uh, even on an after-tax basis. But um, that's just the nature of our market, though, right? I mean, retail investors are still afraid of, of higher rates, so they're overbidding the short end. And, you know, I think for us as a tactical manager, um, you know, we're certainly happy, you know, selling into that environment and, and selling that part of our portfolios if, if there are other, other investors willing to pay up for it. So we've definitely been selling some of the shorter paper into that, you know, low muni to treasury ratios and redeploying to, you know, better value on the intermediate to long end part of the curve. Right, right. It just goes to show that with the municipal treasury ratios bouncing around like this, that moving around the curve and even moving, you know, out of tax exemptions or taxables at certain points of the curve makes a lot of sense for a manager like you. Um, let's move on to, you know, obviously we get lots of questions about the yield curve, but let's move on to coupon selection. So, you know, there are 3% coupons out there, 4% and 5%. You know, what what coupons are you focused on now? Yeah, we're, we're still favoring the 5% coupon premium structures that are trading in that, you know, $115 to $120 range. We want those higher coupons because they help, you know, shorten your duration. Uh, they tend to be more liquid, especially for, you know, other institutional investors like us. Um, they also avoid the market discount rule. I mean, you mentioned the 3% coupons. The fact is, with rates being so low for the past few years, there was, you saw a lot of 2 to 3% coupons being issued. And, and now they got crushed if you think about rates rising. And at one point, the market was down about 10% this year. And those 2 to 3% coupons were down 15 to 20%. Um, and then, you know, may still be trading at a significant discount now. They may be cheap enough for some savvy investors to go in and, and swoop those lower coupons on the cheap. But I think for us, we want the higher coupons given the unknown to the economy. And it also, you know, those higher coupons provide that much more liquidity if we need to sell them back into the market at some future point in time. Right. Okay. So you're sticking with those high coupon bonds just to be a little bit more on the defensive side. Um, let's go on to um, credit quality. So, you know, with the risk of a U.S. recession on the rise, or perhaps we, we already are in one, depending upon what definition you use, um, what is your outlook on lower-rated high-yield munis versus investment-grade munis? Are you up in quality, or are you seeing some value lower on lower-rated bonds? Yeah, I think we're always looking for value. Um, you know, I think in general, if you look at the state's tax receipts, came in about 25% higher than they did last year. Um, the states have built up record reserves, about $262 billion. And most sectors, even away from the states, most sectors are in great economic shape. But, you know, should there be a slowdown, um, I think they're in healthy position and, and a better position even before COVID or even pre-2008. I think the real issue for us as a manager is just the, the spreads while they've widened out this year, they're still kind of tight versus historical measures. So, you know, just looking at triple B's as an example, triple B started the year plus, you know, 57 basis points, and they're now about plus 90. Um, and that, that spread widening is really just due to the selling pressure that we had earlier this year, not a, not a decline in credit or, or, you know, decline in fundamentals. But if you look at historically, that spread averages around 105 basis points. So, you know, for us, we're going to be more selective in credit and, and looking to, you know, dip our toe in more tactically. But 
you know, there is that argument given that you know, the strong balance sheets um, and the strong fundamentals, you may find some managers or some investors looking to load up on credit, and that could play well, right? If, if things are stable and there's not, you know, another wave of selling pressure, um, while we would argue spreads are tight um, and, and kind of trading tighter than, you know, versus historical measures, you're still getting something versus triple A's. And, um, and again, I think you could argue that defaults are going to remain low and, and you're still getting some spread of over triple A's, still some spread over triple A's. I think we would just be more tactical, a little bit more selective in that, in the, the credit parts of our market. And again, I think with the, the high yield space, interestingly, usually gets hit the hardest in, in these kind of waves of selling pressures, uh, especially like the mutual fund side of things. So um, if that were to vamp back up, um, I think you could see another leg in, in high yield and, and it could decline further. So overall, I think for us, we're going to remain high quality, uh, but again, continue to be selective, uh, especially when we're buying in both the primary and secondary markets. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, spreads are still, as you said, they still are relatively tight. I mean, they've widened from, you know, the very tight relationships we saw early in the year, but overall, I guess they're still still pretty tight. Um, let's go on to, let's just delve a little bit um, deeper into individual muni sectors within the investment grade space. So you're, you're sticking with investment grade um, credits for the most part and up, but what are you, are you seeing values in, like, for example, the airport sector, the um, hospital sector, um, education, et cetera, any, any particular sectors that you see a lot of value in right now? Yeah, I mean, airports, you mentioned, um, they're back to about 85 90% uh, pre-COVID levels. Toll roads, you know, back to basically 100%. So, you know, they've recovered a lot. And um, I think healthcare is one area where um, we're seeing, you know, some pressure, um, a lot of the hospital systems are still dealing with increased costs from COVID and, you know, pressures on margins from, from labor and nursing costs. Um, you know, we're focusing on the larger hospital systems that we think are a little bit more insulated. I think the hospitals are a unique sector, um, unlike other municipal finance where, um, you know, the disclosure and finances tend to be a little bit slower, but uh, hospitals provide quarterly updates. So I think it's a, it's a, good sector that we can stay on top of and use our credit analysts to, to accept the good from the bad, but you're certainly seeing some, some mixed results there. Um, and of course, if, if the economy does slow down, um, you are going to see some pressures on sales taxes and of course, income taxes, but you know, municipal finance doesn't, doesn't usually move that quickly. Uh, but I think, you know, the, if things do get, um, if we do hit a downturn, uh, it's going to be the usual suspects, right? Development deals, uh, nursing retirement homes, the more kind of esoteric projects that, you know, can qualify for municipal finance, but they're always a little hairy to begin with. So, uh, again, a lot of this depends on uh, the length and the severity of any slowdown we see. But, uh, again, I think the healthcare space is kind of interesting for us. We're seeing certainly some opportunities in that space. Okay, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um some people are, are already, you know, asking us, you know, should we really be, you know, positioning for, you know, the economic recession, you know, with high conviction? And, you know, as you said, munis are, you know, their balance sheets are still pretty strong. But um, how do, what do you feel, um, what's your thoughts on pension risk? I mean, pension risk is, you know, always something that, you know, we talk about in, in the muni space. But um, what's your feeling about the uh, risks there. Yeah, I think that's going to be one one thing that you're going to play out more in the short term with whatever how the economy plays out. You're already seeing pension returns take a little bit of a hit with, um, uh, again, I think coming into this year, um, 
the pension returns have benefited from the strong truck stock strong stock market we saw last year and you're looking at pen, you know, pension funding levels over 80 percent well the fact is now with the equity market volatility and the volatility we've seen across the capital market you're going to see pressures on funding ratios and it wouldn't surprise me to to see some pension plans those ratios go back down into the 70 percent range so that's probably something you're going to see in short-term headlines um, we'll have to see if it's enough to spook, you know, selling pressure or, you know, more pressure on, on funds and, and the overall market. But um, I would expect that to be more of an immediate headline in the short term as you get June 30th data. Uh, you're seeing it's uh, from California. You see some of it from New York. So you're probably going to see some headlines there. Again, I think overall the most states and most sectors are in really good shape, uh, certainly better shape than we've had in previous financial downturns. Uh, but a lot of it depends on kind of the economic decline. And, and again, how much volatility do we continue to see in, in, in the equity markets? Right, right. And I mean, it seems that at least, you know, here we are in the early um, days of August that, you know, technicals are on the muni market side. But I guess, you know, in September, the technicals generally weaken. Um, are you looking for maybe a pullback in September and October? And, and at that point, you would, um, you know, jump in and look for some other opportunities further out on the curve? Yeah, you're right. I think, you know, supply usually does vamp up in October and November as a lot of municipalities want to get some deals done before the end of the year. Of course, you know, this year is a little bit different because we do, um, even after July's rally, we still have rates higher by about 120 basis points. So, um, you know, the story for much of this year has been, you know, a decline in supply of about 15%. And it makes sense. Rates are higher. They're not going to issue more bonds at higher rates of borrowing. Um, and also, they're flush with cash, so they don't generally need to issue a lot of the debt. So we'll have to see if that dynamic plays out in, in the fall. Um, uh, again, I think most most issuers are in good shape, but they're really going to have to address their, their financing needs, and a lot of that's going to depend on where rates are at the time. So it could be another opportunity. Um, again, if, if we do see a surge in supply in those months, uh, maybe there's a steepening of the curve and there's some, you know, another trade we can put on. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Like you said, I think August still presents kind of a short-term opportunity, um, and the rally is probably likely to continue. But the macroeconomic environment is really driving a lot of this, and I would expect uh, away from the technicals, you know, munis to move in line with treasuries. Right, right. I agree with that. And, yes, certainly um, time will tell to, you know, see if we do see an uptick in issuance towards the end of this year. So, I mean, putting this all together, Mike, we talked about the, the Muni rally, which I think was pretty extraordinary in July. Um, we talked about opportunities on the yield curve. You know, you have a preference for, you know, that intermediate, maybe that 10-year area um, in terms of coupon selection. You're up in coupon, you know, 5% coupons, as well as opportunities in Muni credit sectors. You talked about your, you know, seeing some value in the hospital sector, just as one example. What are some final thoughts and principal takeaways that you have for meeting bond investors for the second half of 2022? Yeah, I mean, yields are, are still the highest level they've been in, year, in years. The yield on our SMA portfolio is about double from where it started the year. And I think for your high tax, high tax bracket investors, meetings look really favorable. Um, you know, intermediate and longer maturities provide good relative value. Credit fundamentals, for most issuers, remain solid. I think, as I mentioned, we got the negative net supply in the in the in the short term that should be extremely supportive. And you know, longer term demographics are really strong. You know, no one's talking about lowering taxes, so I still think um, unions offer some good value and uh, really the last tax uh, haven for your high tax clients. 
Well, thanks so much, Mike. So those are three really good, interesting points that we're leaving our listeners with. Um, you know, yields are still about double where they were at the beginning of the year. Munis remain very attractive to high net worth investors on an after-tax basis. And credit quality is still quite strong. Um, so thank you so much, Mike. We greatly appreciate your insights on the municipal bond market. Um, thanks for coming in today and speaking with us. Thank you. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliates. The views and opinions expressed in this material by external guest speakers are those of the author, speaker, and are not those of UBS, its subsidiaries, or affiliates. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over the content of this material or any claims, losses, or damages arising from the use or reliance of all or any part thereof. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient, and is published for informational purposes only. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.